0: Log Talk Radio.
1: and welcome back uh, to another edition of the Pan-African Journal. The Pan-African Journal is an audio news magazine that's brought to you here on a weekly basis. Uh, I am your host, uh, Abayomi Azikawe. Uh, today is Sunday, uh, September the 5th, 2021, and uh, we're broadcasting live uh, from our studios in uh, downtown Detroit. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in uh, once again uh, to yet another edition of our program later on we'll be coming up uh, with our regular pan-african newswire report we'll feature our dispatches on the recent military coup d'etat against President Alpha Conde in the West African state of Guinea Conakry former South African president Jacob Zuma has been released from prison on medical parole we'll have details on that as well also the son of former Libyan leader uh, Colonel Muammar Gaddafi has been released from detention after seven long years. And the aftermath of Hurricane Ida has left devastation uh, from the Gulf uh, to the northeast of the United States. In the second hour, we look at events taking place in Africa and around the world. Finally, we listen to a documentary on the contributions of jazz musician and composer, uh, Duke Ellington, in recognition of the virtual Detroit Jazz Festival, which uh, for the second year in a row, has been held uh, virtually, uh, absent of a audience, uh, thousands upon thousands of people who usually attend uh, the jazz festival uh, today. There were uh, presentations and performances by D. D. Bridgewater, along with uh, Gregory Porter and others. So we'll take a musical interlude uh, with uh, Ethiopian jazz musician Malatu Astake. We're we'll here a selection of tunes and compositions that were done between nineteen sixty nine and nineteen seventy four. Let's listen in to um, Latsu, uh Mulatsu Astake. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Welcome back, and uh, that was uh, the music of um, Mulatu Astake, a uh, collection of his recordings uh, done between 1969 and 1974, Uh, Mulatu Astake of uh, the Horn of Africa State of Ethiopia. And you're listening to uh, the Pan-African Journal, this special worldwide radio broadcast uh, for Today, uh, it's now the early morning hour of Monday, September the 6th, 2021. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit, and we'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in uh, once again uh, to another edition of our program. And right now we want to move into our Pan-African newswise segment uh, of our program. And our lead story uh, deals with the current uh, security and political situation in the West African state of Guinea Conakry there has been a military coup d'etat in uh, Guinea Conakry and the fate of Guinea's uh, president Alpha Conde is unclear after an unverified video showed him surrounded by soldiers who said they had seized power they appeared on national television claiming uh, to have dissolved uh, the government And of course, uh, these uh, events are unfolding uh, as we speak. Uh, However, uh, the uh, Defense Ministry said the attempted takeover had been thwarted by the Presidential Guard. This follows hours of heavy gunfire uh, near the Presidential Palace in the capital of Conakry. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres as well as the African Union, have condemned the apparent coup and demanded the immediate release of President Conde. The West African country of Guinea is rich in natural resources, but years of unrest and mismanagement mean it is one of the world's poorest countries. Uh, The TV address featured nine unnamed soldiers, several draped in red, gold, and green national flag. Uh, who said they had taken over because of rampant corruption, mismanagement, and poverty. Calling themselves the National Committee for Reconciliation and Development, they said the Constitution had been dissolved and that there would be consultations to create a new, more inclusive government. Our Numerous reports say the coup was led by an elite unit uh, headed by a former French legionnaire, Lieutenant Colonel Mamadi Dumbuya. In one video, uh, which uh, the international press uh, had uh, not been able to verify, soldiers asked uh, President Conde, who was 83 years old, to confirm he is unharmed, but he refused to respond. Sitting barefooted on a sofa, wearing jeans and a printed shirt, he does not have any visible injuries. His current whereabouts are unknown. Those behind the coup d'etat said that all land and air borders had been closed for a week. However, according to the defense ministry, forces loyal to the president have, quote, contained the threat and repelled the groups of assailants, unquote. Earlier, the only uh, bridge uh, connecting the mainland uh, to the Colum Peninsula, uh, which houses most ministries and the presidential palace, was sealed off while many soldiers, some heavily armed, were posted around the palace a military source told a uh, Reuters news agency. There are confirmed reports that uh, three soldiers have been killed. Following the news, uh, opposition supporters and activists took to the streets in celebration. We are here to show our joy because we suffered a lot over time, said Abdullahi Umu Sao. He said that uh, we have been very patient. The analysis also, of uh, the current situation, suggested in their televised announcements, the so-called National Committee for Reconciliation and Development made uh, numerous uh, statements. Uh, for those frustrated by last year's constitutional change that allowed President Alpha Condé to run for a third term, news that the constitution would now be scrapped and replaced in consultation with the public has been warmly welcomed. Already, there are reports of crowds of opposition supporters and activists taken to the streets of Conakry to celebrate. But military junta's typically are notoriously unstable. With no one to hold them to account, there is no guarantee they'll deliver on their promises. There are also those who worry that this latest coup is further evidence of a gradual degradation of democratic values in the West African region. It's the fourth attempted coup in West Africa in just over a year. There have been two military takeovers in Mali and a failed attempt in Niger. uh, And that uh, happened in August, since uh, August of 2020. Contested constitutional amendments in Guinea and the Ivory Coast, a region that had been celebrated for a number of peaceful transitions of power in the 1990s and early 2000s appears to be regressive ultimately uh, those who will pay the price for the erosion of democratic institutions are ordinary west africans left without the protection these institutions were meant to provide ultimately uh, those who pay uh, the price for the erosion of democratic institutions are ordinary west africans Uh, as a result of the unrest Guinea's Football World Cup qualifying match against Morocco at home on September the 6th has been postponed. Uh, The football body, uh, FIFA, said the decision was made to, quote, ensure the safety and security of all players and to protect all matches officially, unquote. The Moroccan team is trapped in Guinea following a coup and is said to be awaiting clearance uh, from their embassy to travel to the airport. President Conde was reelected uh, for a controversial third term in office amid violent protests uh, last year. The veteran opposition leader was first elected in 2010 and the country's first democratic transfer of power. Despite overseeing some economic progress, he has since uh, been accused of preside- providing offers, new- numerous, uh, presiding over numerous human rights abuses and harassment of critics. And additional news on the current situation in the West African state of Guinea. Uh, on Sunday morning, uh, September the 5th, the population of Conakry uh, woke up to confusion. The international press reports that heavy gunfire was heard in the strategic district of Kaloum, which houses the presidential palace. Some well-established sources in the Guinean capital report that a coup d'etat was led by elements of the Groupement de Force Speciale. They specified that President Alpha Conde would be kept safe. The elite unit uh, of the army, said to be at the origin of this coup, is led by a certain Colonel Mamadi Dumboya, identified as a former legionnaire of the French army, who returned to the country in 2018. He is a soldier described as a, quote, hothead, unquote, because of his last tug of war with the Minister of Defense, which was over his desire to be a part of the unit that, had, that he had led uh, for four years. According to the same sources located in the Malian capital, the pushers are currently facing off uh, with presidential bodyguards. Alpha Condé thus faces his umpteenth coup attempt. Since his re-election in 2020 for a third term, he has faced permanent instability of the political, social, and economic uh, situation. And um, we're continuing to report on the current situation in the West African state of Guinea. From the capital of Guinea, Conakry, mutinous soldiers in the West African nation of Guinea detained uh, President Alpha Conde on Sunday. Hours, just hours after heavy gunfire rang out near the presidential palace in the capital. The military uh, then announced on state television that the government had been dissolved in an apparent coup d'etat. The country's borders were closed and its constitution was declared invalid. And the announcement read aloud on state television by Army Colonel Mamadi Dumbuya, who told uh, the Guinean population that, quote, the duty of a soldier Is to save the country. We will no longer entrust politics to one man. We will entrust it to the people, unquote, said Dumboya. He was draped in a Guinean flag with about a half dozen other soldiers flanked at his side. It was not immediately known, though, how much support uh, Dumboya uh, had within the military or whether other soldiers loyal to the president of more than a decade might attempt to wrest back control. The Junta leader announced plans to replace Guinea's governor with regional commanders at an event Monday and warned any refusal to appear will be considered rebellion against the country's new military leaders. The West African regional bloc, known as the Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS, quickly condemned the developments, threatening sanctions if Conde was not immediately released. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres Tweeted that he strongly condemned uh, any takeover of a government by force uh, of the gun. Palmer warned against violence and urged authorities in Guinea to avoid, quote, extra-constitutional, end quote, action that will, quote, only erode Guinea's prospects for peace, stability, and prosperity, unquote. Spokesman Ned Price uh, added in a statement that the Junta, quote, actions could limit the ability of the United States and Guinea's other international partners to support the country, unquote. Condé's whereabouts had been unknown for hours after the intense fighting Sunday in downtown Conakry until a video emerged showing the 83-year-old tired and disheveled in military custody. The junta later released a statement saying Condé was in contact with his doctors. But they gave no timeline for releasing him other than to say, quote, everything will be fine. When the time comes, we will issue a statement, unquote. Conde, in power for more than a decade, had seen his popularity plummet since he saw the third term in 2020, saying that term limits did not apply to him. Sunday's dramatic developments underscored how dissent had mounted within the military as well. Zumboya, who had been the commander of the Army Special Forces Unit, called on other soldiers, quote, themselves on the side of the people, unquote, and stay in their barracks. The Army colonel said he was acting in the best interest of the nation, citing a lack of uh, economic progress by leaders since the country gained independence from France in 1958. And of course, Lumbuya said, if you see the state of our roads, if you see the state of our hospitals, you realize that after 72 years, it's time to wake up, unquote, he said, that we have to wake up, unquote. Observers, though, say the tension between Guinea's president and the Army colonel stemmed from a recent proposal to cut some military salaries. On Sunday morning, heavy gunfire broke out near the presidential palace and went on for hours sparking fears in a nation that already has seen multiple coups and presidential assassination attempts. The Defense Ministry initially claimed that the attack had been repelled by security forces, but certainly uh, uh, when there was no subsequent sign of Condé on state television or radio. The developments that followed closely mirrored other military coup d'etats in West Africa. The Army colonel and his colleagues seized control of the airways, professing uh, their commitment uh, to democratic values and announcing their name, the National Committee for Rally and Development. It was a dramatic setback for Guinea, where many had hoped the country had turned the page on military power grabs. On day's 2010 election victory, uh, the country's uh, first democratic vote ever was supposed to be a fresh start. Uh, for uh, a country that had been marred uh, by decades of corruption, uh, military rule, and political turmoil. In the years since then, uh, through opponents said Condé too failed to improve the lives of the Guinean people, most of them who live in poverty despite the country's vast mineral riches of bauxite and gold. The year after his first election, he narrowly survived an assassination attempt after gunmen surrounded his home overnight and pounded his bedroom with rockets. Rocket-propelled grenades landed inside the compound, and one of his bodyguards was killed. The violent street demonstrations broke out last year after Condé organized a referendum to modify the Constitution. The unrest intensified after he won the October election. The opposition said dozens were killed uh, during the crisis. In neighboring Senegal, which is a large diaspora of Guineans who opposed Condé, news of his political dem- demise was met with relief. Quote, President Alpha Condé deserves to be deposed. He stubbornly tried to run for a third term when he had no right to do so, unquote, said Malik Giallo, a young Guinean shopkeeper in the suburbs, of neighboring Senegal, um, the capital of Dakar. Mamadou Salou Diallo said, quote, we know that a coup d'etat is not good. And he's also living uh, in Senegal. He went on to say a president must be elected by democratic votes, but we have no choice. We have a president who is too old, who no longer makes his dreams, and who does not want to leave power. Guinea has had a long history of political instability. In 1974, after the death of the country's founder, Ahmed Toure, uh, of the Democratic Party of Guinea, uh, died in April of 1984. Bassana Kante, who was a colonel, took control of the country after the first post-independence leader died. He remained in power for a quarter century until his death in 2008. He was accused of sacking off state coffers to enrich his family and friends. The country's second coup soon followed, putting Army Captain Musa Dadis Kamara in charge. During his rule, security forces opened fire on demonstrators at a stadium in Conakry who were protesting his plans to run for president. Human rights groups have said more than 150 people were killed at least 100 women uh, were raped kamar later went into exile after surviving an assassination attempt and a transitional government was organized and did organize the landmark 2010 elections uh, which was won uh, by alpha Condé. and you're listening to uh, the pan-african Newswatch segment of the pan-african journal I am your host, uh, Abayomi Azikawe and other news, uh, in the Republic of South Africa, former President Jacob Zuma is being released from prison on medical parole two months into his 15-month sentence. The government's uh, Department of Correction Services did not reveal the nature of Zuma's medical condition, but said that parole can be granted to, quote, inmates suffering from an illness that severely limits their daily activity or self-care, unquote. He was imprisoned on July 7th for refusing to obey a court order to appear before a commission of inquiry into the government and private sector corruption, which flourished during his presidency. His jailing triggered widespread violence in two of the country's provinces. The 79-year-old was incarcerated in the hospital section of the prison of Escort, a town uh, in his home province of KwaZulu-Natal. A month later, the prison department said he had moved to an outside hospital under the care of medical of military doctors. Since as an ex-president, he's entitled to military care by the military doctors, he is likely to have been in a military hospital for the past month. On August 14th, the prison department reported that he had undergone a, quote, surgical procedure with other procedures scheduled for the coming days, unquote. The department said in a statement on Sunday, that, quote, medical parole placement for Mr. Zuma means that he will complete the remainder of the sentence in the system of community corrections, whereby he must comply with a specific set of conditions and will be subjected to supervision until his sentence expires, unquote. Zuma's medical condition is an issue at his first trial uh, on charges of money laundering, uh, corruption, and racketeering over payments he received from a former financial advisor during the 1980s, 1990s. A military doctor reported to the court in August that Zuma needed, quote, extensive emergency procedure, unquote, which would take about six months to complete. The trial has been postponed pending the filing of further medical reports, including one by doctors appointed by prosecutors. The treatments of Zuma's financial advisors should be a shape after he was jailed for his payments to Zuma, caused controversy in 2009, when two years and four months into his 15-year prison sentence, he was released on medical parole. He was alleged to have a terminal illness, but is still alive in 2021. In the North African state of Libya, the now Libyan authorities uh, earlier on Sunday released one of Muammar Gaddafi's sons after more than seven years of detention in the capital of Tripoli following his extradition from neighboring Nigeria, uh, the country's interim leader has said. Prime Minister designate Abdul Hamid Dabia uh, said in a tweet early Monday that al Saudi Gaddafi had been released in compliance with a previous court order. Mohammed hamuda a spokesman uh, for the transitional government, said the son walked free. From Tripoli's Al-Daba, al-Hadaba prison where many of Gaddafi's officials are being held pending trial mostly in connection with the national defense of Libya against the 2011 counter-revolution that toppled a longtime ruler and led to his killing Hamuda uh, did not elaborate on the circumstances of his son's release local media reported al-Sadiq Gaddafi was released after he was acquitted on charges dating back to the uprising Against his father's rule, uh, following his release, he traveled to Turkey. According to Al Masad news website, we cannot move forward without achieving reconciliation. According to uh, Diab, said this in a tweet announcing the release. His government has been given the task of leading the war wrecked country to elections uh, before the end of the year. The revolutionary Pan-Africanist leader, Umar Gaddafi had eight children, most of whom uh, played significant roles in the previous Jemahadiyah system. His son, Mu'tasim was killed, and at the same time, Gaddafi was captured and slain. Two other sons, Saif al-Arab and Tamis, were killed in the early part of the counter-revolution. Saif al-Islam, uh, the one-time Arab parent to his father, has been living in Libya since release from detention in 2017. Another son, Hannibal, is reportedly detained in Lebanon. The rest of the children are still at large, having sought asylum in neighboring Algeria, along with Gaddafi's wife and al saadis mother, Safia. The mother, a sister, and two brothers were granted asylum in Oman in 2012 and moved there uh, from Algeria. And uh, finally, uh, inside the United States, uh, there's a grave that is taking place in response uh, as a result of uh, Hurricane Ida and uh, even the reduction of uh, from a hurricane to a tropical storm has caused tremendous damage. And, of course, uh, this has been going on uh, for uh, more than a week uh, now. Uh, the storm initially hit as a hurricane off the coast, destroyed uh, many uh, communities in Louisiana, Mississippi and Alabama. Uh, then, of course, uh, it went up the northeastern coast and several days ago hit uh, the city of New York, has uh, also impacted New Jersey as well as Pennsylvania. Deadly flooding uh, delivered uh, to the northeastern part of the United States by the torrential rains of uh, what happened uh, with uh, Hurricane Ida has brought a new urgency and a fresh look. To how roads, sewers, bridges, and other infrastructure must be improved to prevent such a catastrophe from happening again. The world is changing, and our whole mindset and playbook that we use must change. Uh, That's according to uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Uh, He said this uh, just this last past Thursday as he toured uh, Mullica Hills, New Jersey, 150 mile or 241 uh, kph tornado splintered. Holmes quote we have got to leap forward and get out of, ahead of this he said unquote the devastation exposed flaws in preparation plans even after New Jersey and New York spent billions of dollars to prevent a reoccurrence of superstorm Sandy's structure in 2012 with much spent to protect coastal communities flash floods are now coming is now waves off the ocean or the sound New York uh, Governor Kathy Huchel said soon after last week's storm swept through. Huchel and Murphy, both Democrats, agreed that the increasing frequency and intensity of storms demand a new approach that factors in flash floods. The storm dumped uh, so much rain so that a record three inches at 7.5 centimeters fell in an hour in New York on Wednesday. Overwhelming the sewer systems, the drainage systems, some lives were lost when water flooded basement apartments, subway stations, and vehicles. At least 50 people died in five northeastern states. According to our Dr. Irwin Redliner, who was the founding director of the National Center for Disease for Disaster Preparedness, located right in New York at Columbia University, He said, I don't think uh, many people could have predicted the severity of the loss of life and damage done by the flash rains. He wanted to say people drowning in their basement apartments and cars and so on is not something we typically would ever see in New York, unquote. Hochel promised uh, new answers to pressing questions like uh, weather warnings uh, were clear enough and communications with weather services were flawed as well as if subways needed uh, a faster shutdown. The effects of climate change are happening right now. Rochelle said it's not a future threat. Warnings of a possible storm damage are not new. In August of 2011, the aftermath of Hurricane Irene killed six in Vermont and left thousands homeless and damaged or destroyed over 200 bridges and 500 miles of highway of the state's 251 towns, 225 had infrastructural damage. 13 communities were severed uh, from the outside world after flooding, washed out roads, electricity, and telecommunications. National Guard the helicopters ferried supplies to stranded residents for days. More than a half billion dollars was spent by the state and federal governments and in donations to private individuals to help Vermont recover. To weaken effects of future storms, New York and other areas can learn from other cities like Singapore, Copenhagen, and Amsterdam, where solutions are including turning asphalt, parents' uh, lots, and uh, schoolyards into spaces that can retain water, said Amy Jester, the managing director for the nonprofit We Build by Design. And uh, with that, uh, we're going to conclude uh, the the Newswire segment of the Pan-African Journal. In concluding this segment, we want to remind our listeners that the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. Uh, It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of African people throughout the continent and the world. The press agency uh, was founded in January of 1998, and since then it has published thousands upon thousands of articles and dispatches in numerous newspapers, uh, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. If you'd like to log on to uh, the Pan-African Newswire so you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. Uh, that's pan uh, PanAfricanNews.blogspot.com, and uh, if you'd like to have access to today's Pan African Journal, this special worldwide radio broadcast, all you need to do is go to uh, the Pan African Radio Network. uh, That's at BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Pan African Journal. That's BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. The programs can be shared with other potential listeners uh, by merely copying and pasting the links into emails and sending those emails out to potential listeners. Uh, the links can be shared uh, by copying and pasting them on blogs and websites. The links can be shared as well through social media networks such as Facebook and Twitter. This is Abiyomi Azikawe. You're listening to uh, the Pan-African Journal special worldwide Radio Broadcast. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of our program. Now
2: get on on it, boy. Lay your record, boy. Lay your record. Oh, this whiskey here sure is good Now I believe I believe I'll go back home I believe I believe I'll go back home Cause this life I'm living won't let me stay here long. Lay it down, boy. Lay it on down, son. Boy, this is gonna be a killer. You know your stuff, boy Lay it on down His wife is gone But she was all right with me His wife is gone But she was all right with me She would give her 94 And she would give me 93 Oh beat it, boy, beat it Boy, knock a hole in it Push up on it, boy, push up on it. a change I believe I believe I'll make a change Gonna turn off this gas door I'm bound for a brand new rain
1: Welcome back, and uh, that was the voice of Leroy Carr I believe I can make a change, and uh, we do believe we can make a change here at uh, the Pan-African Journal, uh, this special worldwide radio broadcast. Uh, Right now, we're in the early morning hour of uh, Monday, September 6, uh, 2021. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. We want to take a look at some developments uh, taking place uh, around the African continent and, indeed, internationally uh, with this uh, report Uh, from uh, Africa Live, uh, CGTN. Let's listen in.
3: This is CGTN, China Global Television Network.
4: Members from an elite army unit claim they've seized power in Guinea. We update you on developments in Afghanistan as a new government continues to be awaited. And how the threat of a hefty fine and expulsion from the community are urging environmental conservation in a village in Somalia. Hello and welcome, you're watching Africa Live. We're coming to live from Nairobi. I'm Hannah Vivier, human stories making headlines. we we'll look at how Tunisia is coping with the challenge of providing cold storage for COVID-19 vaccines. And we highlight one man's mission to boost the popularity of Chinese martial arts in Uganda. We begin in Guinea, where a coup attempt has reportedly taken place. There are members drawn from an elite army unit have come out to claim that they've seized power. Social media videos have emerged showing a president Alpha Conde surrounded by soldiers he is reportedly under arrest and was taken away from the presidential palace. Lieutenant Colonel Mamadi Dumbuya is believed to be behind these developments in Guinea. Despite this, though, Guinea's Ministry of Defense says the coup attempt was repulsed. In a released video, Dumbuya announced the dissolution of the government. He also stated all land and air borders had been closed.
5: After taking the president, who is currently with us, we
6: decided to dissolve the current constitution, the institutions, the government, and closed land and air borders
4: for the latest on this developing situation we're joined by Youssef Ba a journalist based in Conakry Guinea's capital thank you so much for joining us Youssef it's been a dramatic day for Guinea what's the latest situation in Conakry
7: uh, the situation in Conakry this evening uh, is very very confusing um, the special force are taking over um, the Minister of Defense just now saying that they are in control, but where is the Minister of Defense? Where is he? Nobody's seen him um, all over the area now, is being controlled by the Special Force. Of course, you know, the military, um, the military, you know, is just um, by order. When you give order, everybody takes order. So presently, the situation is like they take order from whosoever is in control. So as of now, it's very, very confusing to know exactly what is happening. The only thing I can confirm to you now, the opposition stronghold, everybody's in the street dancing, enjoying, they're satisfied, they're happy for uh, Dumbuya. People are saying, God bless Dumbuya, God bless Dumbuya, you are the savior. So it's very, very confusing as of now. Nobody knows, but let's see what will happen in the coming few hours.
4: Yusuf, despite that confusion that you speak about, what can you tell us about events leading? To this reported attempted uh, attempt to ask the president and has his reported removal been confirmed yet
7: uh, you know a couple of days ago um the government the parliament tried to uh, change uh, some of the constitution like for example they increased the budget of the president they increased the budget of leaders of the house of parliamentaria and they reduce the budget of the prime minister and reduce five percent also from government workers and government workers, this includes military and police. Uh, it's like $20 if you like uh, they reduced from the salaries. Uh, you know, Guineans are living very poor and uh, the salary of ordinary Guineans professionals is just like two, $300 monthly. So can you imagine when they've reduced their salary, what is happening? So it's like people were expecting something like this since when the president uh, reduce the salary of all these people and increase his salary. So people were expecting there must be something funny coming around.
4: Yusuf, thank you so much for that report. Yusuf uh, Ba speaking to us from Guinea's capital, Conakry. Well, Alpha Conde is Guinea's 83-year-old head of state, now serving a third term, won in a controversial election last year. Conde started his political career as an opposition figure, acting against the violent and authoritarian military leadership that once dominated the country. He served a number of years in jail for challenging General Lansana Conte, who ruled until his death in 2008. Conde rose to power in late 2010 in the West African nation's first genuine democratic election. The last 10 years saw significant progress, particularly in the economy, due to Guinea's vast mineral wealth, success against the Ebola outbreaks in the mid-2000s, and reforms to the military and political system also boosted investor confidence in Condé's government. Despite these successes, though, observers noted that serious problems persist, particularly in human rights. The most recent presidential election poll was violently disputed and also marred by accusations of electoral fraud. Conde won a third term only after pushing through a new constitution that allowed him to sidestep the country's two-term limit. Once a symbol of the future, he has now been accused of drifting into authoritarianism. When well, in other news from the continent, the Ethiopian military says it has killed at least 5,600 TPLF forces in fighting in the volatile northern Tigray region. The Ethiopian National Defense Force also said that some 2,000 rebels had been captured. The TPLF has not yet responded to the government statement. Here, CDTN's Ghiram Chala with more from Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa.
3: One of the Ethiopian National Defense Force uh, top-ranking generals uh, delivered the latest briefing to journalists on Saturday. Lieutenant General Bach Adebele said A TPLF force that aimed to break through western Ethiopia and take control of the Ethiopia-Sudan border has been defeated, with at least 5,000 of its armed men killed and many more thousands wounded. But as said, 2,000 others were also captured by the army.
6: All the subdivisions of the TPLF's terrorist force have been totally finished. Their loss is simply heart-aching, but because we want all Ethiopians to know, especially the people of Tigray, we have disclosed it all. Young Tigrayans in their large numbers are perishing because of the recklessness of the TPLF leadership. People need to know the gruesome terrorist acts of the TPLF. Therefore, because of their recent offensive, Our forces have killed 5,600 of them and wounded more than 2,300.
3: The lieutenant general, Seti Pelev has uh, sent poorly trained, ill-prepared and poorly equipped young fighters in large numbers only for them to end up in the hands of the army, dead or wounded. He said this war is about safeguarding Ethiopia's sovereignty and territorial integrity and will only end After the government, makes sure that the TPLF is no longer a threat to the nation. In
6: these recent wars, TPLF has committed heinous and inhumane crimes. This has shown us the Junta's terrorist work. They gather around Tigray youth, give them one rifle for five of them to fight with. First, these boys and girls know nothing about war. And when they retreat, their seniors kill them right on the spot. Second... Those who get seriously wounded will either be left to die or will be again killed by the TPLF terrorist leaders.
3: From Tigray, there has been no response so far to the current happenings and the latest government statement, especially from the Tigray Liberation Front's leadership. On the other hand, the war in the region is still continuing on different fronts, particularly in towns bordering Amhara and Tigray, as well as Afar and Tigray. Military sources have confirmed that thousands of people are told to have been killed in the conflict that started last November. Gruntara, UTN, Ethiopia.
4: We head over to South Africa now where former President Jacob Zuma has been placed on a medical parole due to his ill health. Well, that's according to a statement released by the Department of Correctional Services on Sunday. Zuma had been serving a 15-month sentence an escort prison for contempt of court. The former statesman was sent to a hospital outside the prison for observation last month. Authorities say that he underwent an unspecified surgery and remains in hospital with more operations planned. The details of Zuma's illness remain unknown. A high court postponed his corruption trial to September the 9th. His legal team was ordered by the judge to produce a medical report that could help the court assess whether Zuma is fit to stand trial. And after our continuing coverage of developments in Afghanistan, the country's neighbors have been discussing its future after the Taliban took over. Pakistan has chaired an online meeting attended by diplomats from Iran, China, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. They issued a statement saying that peace in Afghanistan was essential for regional security and stability. The Taliban continue to say it is working to finalize a new government and there are still heavy clashes between the Taliban and resistance forces in the Panjshir Valley north of Kabul. Zmarilai Abbasin reports from the capital.
8: There are four districts of Panjshir now con- uh, very contestant between the resistance and Taliban fighter, and the Taliban, and also resistance force. They have uh, been uh, doing their claims, which are much uh, more uh, tense and also unclear who is uh, saying the right thing or the correct stance from both sides is unclear. So the uh, war continues, and it, uh, it was uh, stopped for like two hours this morning, and then uh, the Taliban and also resistance for re-engaged to the conflict. And there is, unfortunately, no negotiation table, no path to finally solve the issue diplomatically. And uh, the, all the area in Panjshir are in panic, uh, particularly the civilians and thousands of fam- families and civilians living out there are in panic. Uh, we get a lot of uh, reports about civilian casualties because they are among the crossfires while on the several parts of Pancher, the continuous and aggressive conflict continues between both sides and Paryan. Uh, both sides have contested and uh, Faim Dashti, a spokesperson for the resistance force, said that the, the trap were met by the resistance and that's why, according to him, hundred, uh, more than thousand Taliban were either killed or injured or captured by the resistance. While the Taliban rejected all these claims and uh, saying the same thing uh, in regard to the resistance force and they say they have been engaged in very uh, heavy clashes with the resistance and they have been doing the progress toward uh, the uh, central hub of Bazarak, which is the capital province, uh, uh, provincial capital of Panjshir and that's how the war continues.
4: Meanwhile there has been concern from the international community over the possibility of women's rights being eroded after the takeover of Afghanistan by the Taliban. On Saturday, a group of Afghan women protesting for their rights were stopped by Taliban fighters. The march began peacefully, with demonstrators laying a wreath outside the Ministry of Defense. This was in memory of Afghan soldiers who died fighting the Taliban. As the protesters approached the presidential palace, members of the Taliban Special Forces began firing shots in the air. Witnesses at the march report tear gas being used, as well as women being attacked by Taliban fighters.
9: Together with a group
4: of our colleagues, we wanted to go near a former government office for a protest.
9: But before we got there, the Taliban hit women with electric tasers, and they used tear gas against women. They also hit women on the head with a gun magazine, and the women became bloody.
0: There was no one to ask why. The purpose of our gathering today was to get our rights, the right to education and the right to work. We gathered yesterday and today to defend our right to education and our children.
4: This gathering was not just for ourselves. The welfare of Afghan women has been among the top issues since the Taliban took over. The world has been watching to see how women will be treated under the new administration. The Taliban had promised to honor women's rights in accordance with Islamic law. Earlier, we spoke about these pertinent issues with Victoria Fontan. She is the Professor of Peace and Conflict Studies as well as the Vice President of Academic Affairs at the American University of Afghanistan.
9: There are really no indications because uh, since the beginning of um, um, of the international dialogue, so to speak, with the Taliban, the Taliban have been using a double discourse. Uh, they say they know what we want to hear as an international community, and they say that you know women will be afforded, will be given some rights, um, will be given some. Um, uh, uh, you know, some access to government offices, albeit not uh, the, the most important ones between, which is being a president or, uh, or even being a minister. But so there is that discourse and on the other end, there is the practice and what happens every day is that women are being sent home and told to stay at home because of supposedly the security situation, because of many other pretexts. And what's interesting to see as well is that at first, um, just a few weeks ago, the Taliban were saying, oh, there will not be a woman president, but women will be able to hold other offices. And now they're saying, no, they won't even be able to be ministers. So it's really obvious that the stance of women of the Taliban is diminishing by the day and by the week. And it really shows that some of their narratives saying, you know, women cannot go to work because of the security situation are just pretexts. Because at the end of the day, the Taliban are there to maintain security. So they are supposed to maintain the security of every Afghan, including women. So in facts, and with, you know, when we look at facts on the ground really carefully, we can see that the Taliban are not going to give women the rights that they say they would. And we can see also that the narrative that they're using now is exactly the same that they used back in uh, the 1980s, 1990s. And we know what the result was. I, I think what, what's really important is um, not to uh, stop focusing on Afghanistan. It is to empower the, the, and amplify the voice of Afghan women. Um, it's about um, connecting women to other networks outside of Afghanistan and to keep amplifying their voices and to keep really um, giving them the international space where they can actually report on their daily lives their daily condition and also on that um on that double narrative that the taliban have you know they can compare what's happening on the ground with what the taliban are actually telling us and so it's really really important to keep light and to keep focusing on um on their situation uh very
4: very often well it's time now for us to take a short break and return more in africa live including how the threat of a hefty fine and expulsion from the community are urging environmental conservation in a village in Somalia. And we highlight one man's mission to boost the popularity of Chinese martial arts in Uganda. back. You're watching Africa Live. Well, Tunisia's health ministry says that it is challenged with keeping millions of COVID-19 vaccines cold. The problem of ensuring the vaccines are kept at the right temperature wherever they're taken has become much clearer as the country continues to receive more COVID-19 vaccines from donor countries. With more on that, here's Adnan Shuashi.
10: The Ministry of Health has received a donation of six buses and two refrigerated trucks from the EU The aid will boost the health department's capacity to keep COVID-19 vaccines cool and ensure the timely provision of medical assistance to patients. We've been able
6: to vaccinate more than 1.6 million people in 72 hours thanks to the efforts of medics, paramedics and the civil society. This requires coordination and logistical readiness for vaccine transportation and storage. This valuable aid will help us step up the vaccination campaign and make vaccines available to 11 million Tunisians.
10: The Health Minister added that the Tunisia EU cooperation program will support health services offered to citizens in the 24 regions across the country. We want to save lives
5: with vaccinations
6: and reinforcing preventive measures while investing in the health sector with the support of our partners. The health situation is improving with the decline in COVID infections, but we should not forget that hospitals are also receiving thousands of patients who suffer from chronic illnesses and need other medical services.
10: The EU ambassador to Tunisia says European countries want to boost cooperation with health authorities in Tunis in order to improve health services in the North African nation.
5: The European Union is turned by Tunisia The EU has mobilized additional support in terms of oxygen and medical equipment. A considerable effort is being made to strengthen this partnership. All member states are focused on establishing an equitable and accessible medical coverage for the whole Tunisian population during and after this health crisis.
10: The office of the Tunisian president says the country has been receiving medical aid from foreign nations to help it tackle the COVID-19 pandemic. The scientific committee of the health department in Tunisia says its vaccine stock management procedures follow the World Health Organization guidelines. Experts say the availability of refrigerated trucks will boost the ongoing vaccination drive in many remote areas. Adnishoish CGTN Tunis.
4: The Horn of Africa region now where in one small village near the Somali port city of Kismayo, locals are not allowed to cut down trees. Breaking this rule has serious consequences such as a hefty fine of U.S. dollars and expulsion from the village. This has helped protect the community from the severe effects of drought unlike other parts of the country. So CGTN's Wandra Mugai tells us more.
0: This is Kamkam Kam Village in the outskirts of Somalia's port city of Kismayo. Behind the lush vegetation like these palm and acacia trees is an inspiring story for nature lovers. Locals here are forbidden from cutting trees, not even a branch. And Tar Hussein has suffered the consequences of violating the traditional law. I settled here when I arrived in the town. After some time, I realized I couldn't resist the effect of the tree growing in my courtyard. It was corrosive. I decided to cut the trunk without consulting anyone. It resulted in my displacement. I was approached by village elders on a Thursday morning, forced to pay 1.5 million Somali shillings, that's about $60 now, as a ransom for the tree I cut and immediately leave the town with my family. Locals found guilty of cutting trees can be slapped with a fine that can go as high as thousand five hundred US dollars, after which they are expelled from the community. The tough measures have helped keep Kamkam an evergreen village, experiencing less effects of drought, unlike other parts of Somalia. Ali Farah initiated this concept after relocating here following the 1990 civil war. His goal was to make this place a haven of peace, free from interclan differences, as well as making it a place where people coexist peacefully with nature.
5: And Kamkam Kam is a peaceful village. Those who know about it are familiar with the situation. For those who don't know, as I said, it is a peaceful village. We protected our land, people and property by unanimously agreeing on set rules and by God's grace.
0: Somalia is generally a hot and dry region. Given the effects of climate change, the conditions have worsened over the years. The country frequently experiences droughts, loss of agricultural produce and animals. The United Nations says Somalia has experienced about 30 droughts since
11: 1990. I had 100 cows and 200
0: goods. I lost all. The rivers dried up. The vegetation was gone. There was no rain at all. With elders in Kamkam village determined to keep their neighborhood green, they have succeeded in protecting their fellow villagers from the harsh effects of climate change. Wanjia Mungai, CGTN.
3: The East China Sea, home of dream seekers, where China's hub for reform and opening up connects with the Maritime Silk Road. Whether it's exploring the busiest seaport and trade zone, or witnessing how locals strive for a better life, join CGTN's adventure. Tides of Change, Part Two: A Journey Enchanted by a Dynamic Ocean and Beyond.
4: While well, Kung Fu first originated in China, it has gained popularity in various parts of the world. In Uganda, martial arts enthusiast says he hopes to boost Kung Fu's popularity first in his own country and then the rest of the continent. With more on his story, here CDTN's Hilary Ayesiga. A warm-up exercise for Hasfa Nakirija.
11: At five
5: years of age, she's already trying out new Kung Fu techniques. Kung Fu helps
0: me in self-defense and also keeps my body physically fit.
5: Under her father's guidance, Nakirija is training in the Gong Chuan style of martial arts. Through this training, Nakirija wants to become an actress, but to achieve her goal, she needs more time and techniques. If she makes it into the movie industry, she will be following in the footsteps of her father. Mansur Sejemba is both a Kung Fu specialist and an actor. Kung Fu has helped us a lot in Uganda's film industry, more especially in movies. I'm a film actor too. She also dreams of becoming a movie star. In 2017, Sejemba visited the Shaolin Temple in China and was made a Kung Fu Ambassador for Africa. But the COVID-19 pandemic has since interrupted his training program. He now concentrates on his daughter at home. These two years have been so challenging because we have the COVID-19 pandemic. It has affected our training sessions. Mansour has far trained 24 people in Kampala, and his dream is to boost Kung Fu's popularity across Uganda and the African continent. Hilara Isiga, CGTN, Kampala, Uganda.
4: Let's take a look at what's happening in the world of basketball in Senegal. Senegal took the bronze at the 2021 Afro Basket Championship in Kigali, Rwanda on Sunday thanks to a comfortable 86-73 victory over Cape Verde. The five-time champions got on the board first and kept out in front until the second period when Cape Verde displayed their best spell of the match and were even leading by five points at 33-28 at one point. But that was as good as it got for them. As the West Africans turned things around to end the half, 44 to 39 ahead, they only got stronger and extended their advantage to nine points going into the fourth quarter. They steadied ship to see out the win and secure third.
1: Welcome back, and uh, that was a, a report. Uh, from uh, Africa Live, CGTN. On uh, part of the uh, story deals with the uh, recent uh, military coup in the West African state of Guinea, along uh, with uh, other issues. We'll take a break. We'll be back uh, with more on our program for this week. <laughs> Welcome back and uh, that was uh, the voice of Gertrude Mulrain uh, with the tune entitled Deep Million Blues and uh, we're here at the Pan-African Journal special uh, worldwide radio broadcast and uh, today in the early morning hour of uh, Monday, uh, September the 6th, uh, 2021, we're broadcasting live. Uh, From our studios in downtown Detroit, we'd like to thank all of our listeners uh, for tuning in uh, once again uh, to uh, the Pan African Journal. And as we mentioned earlier, um, this weekend is Labor Day weekend in the United States. And of course, uh, usually uh, there's the Detroit Jazz Festival, a four-day event that brings together many artists. Uh, This year, for the second year in a row, uh, the entire uh, program and concerts are held virtually. Uh, there's no audience and uh, the artists are performing and their performances are being streamed from remote locations. The artist in residence uh, this year was Dee Dee Bridgewater. It's also in a performance today by Greg Reporter. Uh, and there's also uh, was a spectacular uh, concert, opening concert by Herbie Hancock on Friday evening. There'll be more and a conclusion tomorrow. We want to focus in uh, right now on uh, one of the legendary jazz uh, musicians, uh, innovators, composers, arrangers, and that is uh, Duke Ellington. And uh, here is a documentary on uh, the contributions of Duke Ellington. Let's listen in.
12: Music is, uh, I live with music. This is it. I mean, I, uh, go off on these strange hops with me. They, you know, fly off to the moon. Maybe. As a matter of fact, I'm not so sure that music and I have not been on the dark side of the moon. Well, maybe on the dark side of my moon, shall we say. <laughs>
2: Thank you.
12: We have a request, though. Oh, incidentally, I'd like very much, ladies and gentlemen, to have you meet, uh, meet our piano player.
13: and that he wouldn't be satisfied with just one career. For the last 40 years, ever since he opened in 1927 at the Cotton Club in New York, he's had at least five going for him. He's been a band leader, a pianist, an entertainer, a writer of hit popular songs, all at the same time, and beneath it, a serious composer. The way it works out, of course, is simultaneous improvisation on multiple levels, even though Duke would never say it like that. All Duke does is just smile mysteriously and keep producing the beautiful music, sometimes alone, sometimes working with Billy Strayhorn, his longtime associate, but always with his orchestra, his traveling workshop, year in, year out, on the road with Duke. Duke Ellington was living in San Francisco at the Fairmont Hotel and working at a nightclub, Basin Street West. He was writing the music for the Grace Cathedral Sacred Concert, working long distance in a Broadway show, directing recording sessions, and the release of albums. But each night, there was the orchestra, just as there always is, night after night, because as Ellington's son Mercer says, Duke's real instrument is the orchestra. was a
12: little toy. It's a a pretty big toy right now, and, and, and speaking of the economics of it, I wish I could afford this payroll. It's uh, tremendous, as you know. And, uh, but I have a gimmick uh, to keep it together. That is, I give, I give them the money and I get the kicks. I mean, you go out and Johnny Harden just makes that smeary sound, I mean, you know, and he you know those sexy, sexy tones, you know, and all those sort of things. They breaks through to them, you know. Uh, Cat Anderson, when he screeches out over top of the roof, you know, I mean, you know, it's like the man being shot out of a gun. And all that, Cootie Williams, the individual personalities. Gonsalves, Connie, all these people, Jimmy Hamilton.
10: Thank you, William.
12: Thank you very much for Cookie Williams. That, of course, was Billy Strayhorn's Take the A Train. Well, personalized arranging is a matter of arranging, of arranging with uh, the uh, all of the better characteristics of the performer in mind and with Uh, deep consideration for the limitations of each one. Uh, As you know, I mean, there's no musician in any kind of uh, music, I mean, who doesn't have some limitations. And this is a little problem which is very interesting to handle when you're writing. And it pays off when when you hear the result of it. It's a challenge. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, this is the thing I've always done all the way down the line. I've always had some little... uh, limitation to deal with which of course uh, enhances the uh, the joy of doing it more so than having a guy uh, who has the good fortune of having a big fat symphony all the time that ranges from there to here you know and no limitations he can do anything he wants to you know he's got no problems you know and uh, uh, his chances of actually stumbling up on something that's uh, extraordinary uh, it's, it's kind of uh, vague, you know, and uh, and limitations I think are wonderful things, and I think everybody should have them, you know, whether they have them or not.
13: And <laughs> we all do. yeah. <laughs> but then it becomes then it becomes a challenge to figure out how to get around them.
12: Yeah. Well, this is more than uh, this is more than. Um, just saying. Well, I have all the knowledge in this little box, and all I have to do when I get to a certain point is pull out a little piece of knowledge and put it on that paper. He said, because every time you get a new cat, you got a new problem. He said, well, how do we do this? Because this guy doesn't isn't as effective. upon the top note of his horn, it, you can hear the struggle he's having, you know, with it, and it's all a little wavy or something like that. Or his uh, bottom notes, he doesn't hit them with the <clears throat> with you know the with the, the, uh, the guts that should have or something like that. But uh, some people are better in the middle, some people are better on the bottom, some people are better, you know. And you figure these things out? A couple of years ago, we were in the Far East, that is Syria, Jordan, Afghanistan, India, Ceylon, uh, Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, uh, Lebanon, um, Cyprus, Turkey, for the State Department on the Cultural Exchange Program, of course, it was a tremendous experience for us, our first time over in that neighborhood, and uh, as a result our inspiration brought us to do a thing which we call our impressions of the Far East, I'd like to have you hear some of it now.
2: Jimmy Hamilton, I deep one. super trombone. <clears throat> Paul Gonzalez.
12: Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for the wonderful way you inspired us throughout this lecture. Very beautiful, very sweet, very gracious, very generous. And all the kids in the band want you to know that we do love you madly. And now, uh, I know you'll be happy to know that it's time for us to have a bit of a coffee break. But don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you.
13: Was Do you plan the next set when you're resting?
12: Have when you I'm already, resting?
13: Yeah. Or have you already planned it? Oh, have I planned it? No.
12: Never planned it. What would you want to hear?
13: Well, oh, anything that you want to play, I want to hear.
12: Well, I mean, uh, like for instance, this is, uh, um, now let us see if I can remember that. who's doing the lyrics for our show Sugar City fell in love with um, Sugar Hill Penthouse which is in Mountain invasion he wants to use the melody in the show and since there would be no publisher entangled so in why, uh, I said well go ahead we'll try and see what happens and uh, so he wrote the lyrics to the tune and then he wrote the end of it and I sort of at the end I think on the record drifted into some sort of piano fade out or something like that and so he decided that they wanted to use that, too. Well, I couldn't remember what I had played, you know, at that point. This is recorded in 1945. And so I had to call Pat Willard Brown to play the record for me on the telephone so I could hear what I played, you know. And so this was it. And what he had done, he'd made an interview out of taking the first phrase of it and then... Uh, you know, sort of multiplied it by four to come up with the quatrain, you know, to sled back into the chorus again. So this is what he wanted to use, so I had to make four lines out of this. One. Yeah. wrote something in haste to fill or something like that and this turns out to be more effective dramatically than the 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 original fat plan and uh you'll say well let's move this over here because it's too strong to be in front of that or maybe it's a good place to open the record or something like that the most important things I said are said um come about as a result of thinking, and then just putting them on paper or something else. If you think of what you want to say, I mean, it's easy to find the time. You can do it while the band's setting up. You know, I wonder where that ship's going when it leaves. There. You know? That's lots of big questions for me, mind. everything offers a suggestion. Sometimes it's important enough to retain, and sometimes it's not. I think at are times when you uh, reach a certain chemical mixture or something like that in the body where you have this um, musical feeling of security or something like that, and you're, you have nothing else to worry about in the world other than just this one thing for the moment. In uh, Boston, I did uh, Night Creature while we were working up that story, though In Solitude, I wrote In 20 Minutes in Chicago, standing up against a glass Uh, office enclosure waiting for another band to finish recording so that we could get in the studio so sure other people are late too. So I wrote the whole thing standing up and uh, in Chicago, a sophisticated lady is one of the things that I struggled with for over a month. debate was at a bridge where I couldn't decide whether to go this way or that way, you know. It's, uh, when you have too many directions to go, I mean, then of course this is a big problem and it calls for debate and takes up a lot of time. So as I say, this went on for a month. Uh, in 1939, riding around on the bus, we did 32 one as I think, in 30 days. Uh, I wrote some uh, things like Jack the Bear, uh, Two or three of those of those things of that particular period. I forget this what they are right now. Uh, Denver, where well, Cottontail was written in Denver. <laughs> Washington, oh Washington of course I so the Fountain Ray, and uh, what else? Of course, Satin Doll was written in Los Angeles, the Watkins Hotel. In the 30s, we used to uh, we used to uh, charter two Pullman's sleepers and a baggage car. We just live on them. We never got off them to go to hotels. And they we just went to work. And, that, and it was living on this train that I wrote, reminiscing in mm. tempo. It was right after I lost my mother. in uh, 1935. And where else have I written? All oh, the other places where I've written and I said, well, I wrote a lot of stuff in Paris. And uh, when we did Paris Blues, they had a very nice piano in the Lancaster Hotel. And what else? Salt Lake City. Oh yeah, I wrote a lot of my a Matter of fact, I did uh, a lot of the Jump for Joy music. I did I Got It Bad, That Ain't Good There. And I wrote the entire uh, librarian suite there in in a closed room. Nothing but a bedroom. The doors all locked. The entire librarian suite there, one Sunday. We had off with uh, Fletcher Henderson. And, uh, the, I wrote "Black and Tan Fantasy" in taxicab on my way to the studio, going down through Central Park. It was—I uh, don't forget whether it was a beautiful day or a rainy day. Oh, and then I had a good uh, productive year in Salt Lake City again. It was in 1955, but we did a lot of the instrumental things, which were like uh, some of the portrayed of a Fitzgerald things and, oh, in uh, Moon Indigo, of course, I rode in New York in 15 minutes while I was waiting for my mother to finish cooking dinner. next set. You have to watch that. You know, try to get everybody in every set. But uh, it's a little difficult to do, you know, when you have an hour and then,
13: the, you know, by the time they get to taking on of course and then they one cat below and they want him to play all day long. Outside of extrasensory perception, how do they know what tune to start with? Oh, they haven't the slightest idea. Well, there are certain numbers that we draw on, I mean, that they, we play
12: practically every day. And then if there's something that they have to really look up, you know, you can give them time to find it by playing something where only one guy has to play. You ever switch the cues in the middle of the introduction? Oh, sure. I may get up and do, be sort of undecided about what I'm going to play anyway, and then somebody in the audience hollering something else, and just like that, you know, you just change, that's all. We have a request for Johnny Hodges to play the Jeep Blue.
14: The Jeep Blue.
12: The actual writing doesn't take very much, it's the thinking. And uh, I travel with Harry Conney in his car most of the time. He drives, he's mad for driving, and he'll drive 3,000 miles, you know, and get out, you know, completely refreshed because he's made a profit of a 1% joy. You know, he may be physically, you know, dragging, but he's made this 1% profit in joy. When we're riding, you know, at night, we don't just talk to be talking. And so I get to, you know, you get to think. I think that's the reason for... us getting get along so well together, is that in traveling like this, he's not exposed to a whole lot of conversation, and he, he can think. And of course, in driving, I'm more or less concentrating on driving. I also get a chance to
14: do a
12: little thing to myself. <laughs> well, you may, for instance, start to write something, and you get halfway through it, you know. And then you take a li- nice car ride with this thing on your mind, and it all takes shape. And you go back and tap the original piece of paper and start all over again, like it should have been done the first way, uh, Because it makes better sense. You're riding along, and there's no interruptions, no division of the mind, nothing but uh, looking at the Beautiful countryside, over the mountains and the sea, the desert. I like, I'm a great, I, I'm. Uh, uh, I love the great outdoors, you know. I and mean, there's nothing greater, nothing more beautiful than the great outdoors—the mountains, the desert, the seashore, all that. Well, I mean, you take the the vastness of everything around us. I mean, is, uh, is uh, proof of how small a man is and how much help a man actually needs. I mean, it, uh, it, uh, there has to be uh, uh, something, some greater power than man. And uh, there's so much uh, of what man has that man doesn't even know how he got, so obviously it doesn't belong to him. It's just a lease. And uh, our uh, footprints in the sand will be rolled up behind us and shipped on, you know. Right now, I my big project at the moment, for me personally, is a sacred concert at Grace Cathedral. I'm having to bring in a lot of people for it, because this is very important. Uh, it doesn't matter to me how many people I have to bring in, or what it's going to cost, or anything like that. This, I, you know, I really want to be the yesterday's the Ritchie if I may use uh, a bit of uh, uh, French with an American
14: accent.
13: I'm telling you that we're very honored that you and your group will be part of our year celebrating so the consecration of this great, nothing could be more appropriate than our desire to relate to the world around us in terms of its best forms of expression.
14: Uh,
13: Everything from
12: uh, Paul Tillich, like the great Theologians, uh,
14: Martin
12: Luther King, and you, and Reist of all, the kinds of fields. and am Yeah, uh, come in here, big enough. Yeah, come right in. It's an opportunity to say something that you want to say, maybe. It is an opportunity that you get every day, to be invited into it like I have been for the last two years. Dean Bartlett and the Reverend Cannon, Yaya, come where I have a They keep pounding, saying we don't want this done with a 15th century solemn thing, you know. And they want it done in this language. They make you feel eligible until you just try to relax and fit into the scene. It's probably the most important statement I've ever made. And for something that important you need everybody. <laughs> but I want to bring Bunny Briggs in to do David Dance. No lose no opportunity to say anything, whether it's a loud, big thing or whether it's a very humble little thing, like a, uh, say for a flower talk or something like that. The things that are uh, statements or uh, arguments for yeah. and uh, I'm not a preacher, you know, or anything like that. But uh, uh, I may say something one day that somebody might believe, and it may help somebody in the right direction.
11: Thine is the kingdom.
15: Let me hear you say a mename.
12: Let me hear you say a mename. Let me hear you say a mename. Let me hear you say a mename. I believe what I say, you know, just like uh the other things in the by people like uh what comes Sunday has to do with the uh, history of the Negro in America. I mean, uh, it's as, as part of black, brown, and beige, it was originally. But it says my people. It doesn't say Negroes. And my people could mean anybody. You know, I mean, please look down and see my people through. You know, well, I, I think all people need a little help in that direction. No,
15: of love God almighty God
13: Featured performer, and where he gave that audience a special treat of some of his new music. The situation has almost come completely full circle with
12: Strayhorn. I, mean. I wrote a lyric the other day, which was so desperate that I refused to write the music. I called him up and gave it to him over the telephone. And he wrote the music right for "Think on oh, my, Was it "Love Came"? You don't want to hear it, you? I'd love to hear it. You will? Absolutely. Oh, I will. Oh. This, this is very hard, in here. <coughs> love came as a dulcet tone, humming up above, suspended. To one who'd been so much alone, it said your golden blues are ended. Petals of red and roses rare, strolled along the path that died me. The breath of spring had filled the air. Love of my love was there beside me. It was I who heard the song, running drunk on love's expectant wide, wine tuned sunflower of the moon, the whole universe was mine. Then I came down, feet on the ground, and asked love what next we'd play. I'll never know why, but with a bit of a sigh, love turned and went away.
13: Duke is viewed with deep respect by his peers, men like Earl Hines and Dizzy Gillespie. And the people who work with him, some of them hold him in absolute awe.
16: After knowing him as long as I have, originality, it means so much in this music business. And I think that's one of the reasons why he has been so successful because Duke has always had a mind of his own and Duke is the type of fellow that he has to goes off on those
14: dreams.
16: And uh, he can see more things in eight bars than anybody I've seen in a whole course. <laughs> and he is, uh, he's a great guy to steal, too, you know. If yeah. you're not careful with him, he wears those stiff cuffs, you know, and yeah. comes to the club wherever you are. Yeah. And if you're doing something that he sort of likes, and if you make a repetition of it, up goes the sleeve, and on the cuff he writes it. <laughs> and the next thing you know what you were playing, you'll hear it on record, you know. But uh, he and I have been pals so many years. And uh, as I said before, you just can't when you go back to think about the tunes that he has written, they're still standing up, And anytime anybody wants to have a, a, a bang-up program, as far as music is concerned, they run back and get tunes like "Sophisticated Lady," and hear this last one "Satin doll I've been using and have more fun with it than he has.
14: never once we talking about
1: Welcome back. And that was uh, excerpts from a documentary on uh, the legendary uh, Duke Ellington. And that's going to conclude uh, the Pan African Journal special worldwide radio broadcast for uh, Sunday, September uh, the fifth, in the early morning hour of uh, Sunday, uh, September sixth, twenty twenty one. We've been broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit to. Uh, have access to this program, just go to the Pan-African Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. To read the Pan-African Newswire, log on to panafricanews.blogspot.com. We'll close out uh, with uh, pianist uh, Mary Lou Williams, along with uh, trumpeter Dizzy Gillespie and Bobby Hackett. This is Apayomi Hazikoway signing off, and have a beautiful week.